Well, good evening, Grace Church. It is so good to see all of you here this evening. Uh, welcome to the campus. Those joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, we're so glad you've chosen to be part of our service this evening. Why don't we stand together? Uh, I just like doing this on Wednesday nights. Um, let's just take a minute to, to bring our thoughts together, to collect our, our, uh, our perspective and our attention, and just get ready to focus in on what God has for us and focus in on uh, His presence. Um, if you have a prayer request tonight, why don't you make it known by the lifting of your hand? I know God sees every need, every situation, and let's just believe that God will do some great things tonight. Can we do that together? Jesus, we praise you tonight. Lord, it is good to be in the house of the Lord. It is good for us to be here, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, Lord, for everyone that is here tonight, those that are joining us on live stream. Thank you, Jesus, for another opportunity, Lord, to be in your presence, Lord, to hear your word. And so tonight, God, let your will be done. Lord, anoint uh, the teaching and the preaching, the ministry of your word tonight. Anoint our minds and hearts to receive. Lord, every need that is represented, Lord, there, there are things we need you to do. Lord, we need you to work. We need you to move. And I pray you would do that, Lord, in Jesus' name. You are able. You are able in Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands to Jesus in victory tonight? Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated tonight. Again, glad you're here. All of our guests, glad you're part of our service tonight. You are welcome. We're glad you're here. I'm going to take a, a couple of minutes here and just kind of slow, slow my pace down a little bit on um, announcements. I want to share something with you uh, in regards to Move the Mission. Uh, and that's our first announcement tonight. Uh, this coming Saturday is a Move the Mission Cheesy chicken spaghetti dinner from 11 to 1, and the sign-up sheet is right out in Grand Central. Uh, or, order often. Order lots and order often, if you will. Uh, the, we want you to, we want to sell out. Um, so uh, sign up for that, um, and you can come by and pick it up between 11 and 1 here at the A Center on Saturday. Um, we talk a lot about Move the Mission. Uh, it used to be called Cheese for Christ. You remember that years ago? Uh, for many years, and then they support the, the fundraising, but primarily it is missions. It is foreign missions, uh, missionaries, uh, vehicles, and one, one offering, which is amazing. But the person that received that offering gave some interesting information about Move the Mission, and I wanted to share that with you tonight, very, very brief, just a couple minutes here. Um, but he said that in the last two years, uh, through the Move the Mission offering and the resources that it provides, uh, the United Pentecostal Church International has unlocked three countries in the last two years. And, of course, what that means is those are countries that had never gone in clandestine, you know, to these countries and, and um, sharing the gospel. But it is the whole gospel to the whole world, and uh, Move the Mission does that. But here's some interesting notes. Uh, if you count the time it was called She's for Christ, uh, the offering has been, uh, there's been uh, giving towards missions through this fundraising effort for 70 years. We're 70 years into what was She's for Christ. Total over those 70 years given to missions, $166 million in 70 years, which is really cool. But check this out. The very first year, guess how much the offering was for She's for Christ? The very first year they received an offering. We've come. Amen. Amen. And, to, and this is the last, last stat I have for you. He, to put it in perspective, he said last year we gave the 
million. Last year, we did what took 22 combined consecutive years to do prior to that, or in the, uh, in the first 22 years of the of the idea of the of giving to uh, to missions. So in one year, we did what took 22 years to do. I love that. I love that. I love that we're increasing, we're growing, we're giving, we're giving sacrificially. So Saturday is a part of that. Um, and I'm not even going to say that it's a small part of that. It's a significant part of that. It's an important part of that. And we want you to be uh, to help support that. And, of course, our uh, uh, information that you can take with you. And we're going to pray uh, around our school campuses. So help us do that. Mark your calendar for that. We'll also be anointing prayer cloths for the students in the morning service this coming Sunday. And then finally, uh, this, uh, Saturday, August the 12th. Everybody say August the 12th is the 30th pastoral anniversary banquet at Forest Grove Plantation from 6 to 9 in the evening. The deadline to sign, all we need from you is a head count. We just need to know you're coming. The deadline to do that is tonight. Everybody say tonight. tonight. So, and you should have just received a text message with a link. It just got pushed out within the last couple of minutes as I'm speaking. You should get a text on your phone with a link to sign up. So, everybody, your phone Check the link, right, Sister Casey? Oh, I'm so Okay. I, thank you. Thank you. I got my wires crossed. Let me back up and reverse. The text you just got is to sign up for the Move the Mission dinner, correct? But on that same page, if you scroll up, you can RSVP for the, uh, for the um, pastoral anniversary banquet. So you can do both. You can do both with that link technically. But we need you to respond now. So just take a minute and do that. I, I know that, uh, that you're going to do that by faith if you haven't already. We want everybody to come and help us celebrate. We're going to have a good time. All right, you got it? Everybody finished? That's meant a lot to me. Psalm chapter 25, verse 10. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. That's wonderful. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. Unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. I like that. And then if you scroll down to verse 12, what man is he that feareth the Lord? What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. So what those two verses mean to me and what I've been thinking about is this. Lord, I want you to teach me your way. I want to learn the ways of God. I want you to, to teach me what you choose to teach me, oh God. To do that, I have the word of God. To hear about those covenants and those statutes and to walk in them. I'm looking forward to Bible study tonight. If you are, I want you to clap your hands one more time to Jesus as pastor comes to the pulpit. Thank you, Brother Dave. And along with him, it is wonderful to see all of you here tonight as always. So thankful to uh, see all of you here. It's great to be back. Uh, we were in St. Louis this time last week. As a matter of fact, a week ago tonight, we were at NAYC uh, for the very first service. And uh, it was absolutely phenomenal. But it's amazing to be back home. And I'm very thankful to be here tonight. Along with, again, along with Brother Dave, I have a couple of comments. Some things, a splendid move of God that was manifest here Sunday morning. But I do want to mention... Uh, some things, just a couple of brief things about NAYC. We had 35 people from Grace Church that went. And uh, I think that is a huge number 
of people that went to that, uh, mostly our young people, and according to in alignment with what the leadership of NAYC uh, presented, there was at least 35 to 40,000 people uh, at NAYC. And uh, I can't tell you how um, sweeping, um, how enveloping that, that atmosphere, uh, probably early 20s, mid 20s, and there was such a hunger, uh, such a passion those people wanted to be there. They weren't coerced, they weren't pleaded with, they weren't begged. They were, they wanted to be there. And um, the, the, the manifest presence of God there was absolutely amazing, uh, mightily. And um, I believe we have some preachers that are uh, some, some young men and women that are being called to ministry, to preaching, Whatever their future holds, we'll just wait and see. But um, it was affirmed in my spirit that God reached down during NAYC and called uh, some of our, to the best of our ability. But I believe God has some awesome things in store for our young people as it comes to God's kingdom. I also want to mention that our church band was a tremendous blessing, just carrying people around, our young people around. Um, really, the... Uh, our, our other van we had for a number of years and uh, just wasn't trustworthy as very thankful for that. Uh, something else I wanted to mention Sunday and again did not have um, the opportunity um, but we are glad uh, it's, it seems like it's we, we were gone forever it seems like with Bible quizzing and uh, then NAYC so forgive me for if this is late, we have a from Cole and Peyton back safely from their honeymoon, and we welcome them. Amen. Newly married, and uh, we're very, very thankful for them, and we believe they're going to be a very powerful, impactful couple here at Grace Church, and we're very happy for them. And I do want to say a great big thank you to Tanya again for heading up Move the Mission fundraising. She does. And last but certainly not least, as um, you have noticed on our up and coming, um, our, our celebrating our 30 years here as pastor, I've not said anything about it. I wanted to Sunday, but again, the Lord had other plans. This church came, and I do understand there's a whole bunch of you that signed up, but uh, come out and celebrate with us. I, I think it's an incredible milestone, and... Um, given almost half of our life to Grace Church. And uh, it's been a pleasure, a, a privilege, an honor uh, to be here uh, as pastor. Uh, we've seen a lot of great things happen, and uh, I don't believe we're done yet. I believe there's more to come. I want everybody to understand this is just an anniversary party. It's not a retirement. It's not retirement. Don't get those thoughts in your head. Uh, probably shouldn't have said that. We may have some that's all, man, I'm not coming for sure now. <laughs> Uh, I'm teasing, but come out and join us. It'll be a lot of fun and uh, great time, fellowship, great memories, and uh, I believe you'll know how people are going to take it. Um, I still, I'm, I'm cognizant of that, but it don't always direct the path that I take when I'm up against such a challenge. Uh, I do think Grace Church is amazing on all levels, and I have no hesitation 
but um, I may. Uh, I want to. I wanted to cause you to think. I want to read tonight from Acts chapter eight, verse four. Uh, several. I'll read several verses tonight. You can follow along on the screen. Uh, Acts eight four. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere, preaching the word. Acts eleven nineteen. According to the may, it isn't. In Acts 11, verse 17, if therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? This is uh, the apostles addressed populated with Gentile people. In Acts 15, verse 28, for it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. I want to talk to you tonight. It's a, another part of this series that I've been, I've been te teaching and working through for the And uh, again, uh, oftentimes people will take this one way and run with it, take it another way and run with it. I'd like for everyone to keep it in the context of what I'm presenting. Everybody say amen. For the first few years, the church existed in the book of Acts. Only Jewish people were evangelized, mostly through the ministry of the apostles. That's what they knew. I understand that, and that's what they had been taught, that God was just for the Jewish people. That goes all the way back to Abraham, uh, that he came to these people. But God changed that with the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. All of those that were filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2 got that message. But I submit to you tonight, if that trend had continued, we would not be in the church today. Does everybody understand that? If they only thought it was for the Jews, where would we be? So something had to change. Somebody had to open their mind to the plan of God, the will of God, and the conduit through which God chose for them to change their mind through was connecting with their culture. Um, and that was very hard for them. I talked about this several Wednesday nights ago. God used an internal circumstance to cause them to change their mind, to be more open-minded. And he also used an exterior circumstance, an external circumstance to cause them to change the way they thought. So watch this transition. God used internal circumstances, and I talked about this a number of Wednesday nights ago. It was a conflict over ministry to the widows and orphans. You may remember that, but it was Gentile people in the church that complained to the apostles that nobody is having anything to do with the widows and orphans and whatnot. And so the church revised its stance on that, thought it was a legitimate issue, they addressed it, and so on. But then God used external circumstances, which was persecution, to teach the church that they needed to evangelize everybody everywhere. So in doing so, it was necessary for them to reach beyond the current church culture. They had to come out of their current church culture to impact the world around them. 
I'm excited to, to present this tonight because I have a, a feeling that uh, coming out of our, our current youth group is going to be ideas and suggestions. Pastor, can we do this? Pastor, can we do that? To reach people. And I want to be open-minded. I'm saying that with all of my heart. Now, I don't know who all that's going to bring. So not only do we have to be open to the idea, but we have to be open to the harvest of it. Everybody say amen. It's connecting with culture. Do we understand tonight that the gospel is for everybody everywhere? I hope we understand that tonight, and I believe Grace Church does. Thank the Lord. So the church began to modify their methods. They had to... Uh, I don't want to take a lot of time here tonight. I'm, I'm going to assume that most of you know this. I've said it millions of times. My mother told me a million times, quit exaggerating. But I've mentioned this often and frequent, that the church has to adapt to its culture. It does. The church in the book of Acts began to modify their method in order to reach the Gentiles. You have to understand what these people had to go through. Do you understand the Jesus you know goes back maybe one, two, three generations, maybe four? These people go back 2,000 years. It goes back, I mean, if you even want to push it back further than that to Abraham, you can. But they were indoctrinated. Their whole race of people, their whole nation of people have been doctrinated that God is only for us. They had to break out of that mindset. So do we. And I believe we have. Absolutely believe we have. So if they had not done so, they would never have been able to reach anyone but Jewish people. Listen, watch the screen. This cultural change within the church had nothing to do with changing the content of the gospel. They preached the same message, but they presented it different. Now, when I was in junior high and high school, when I was in the 10th grade, I was a one-person debate against three other people on the other side of our English class over creation or evolution. I was awarded with winning that debate, and I was pumped about that <clears throat> that's about as much as I ever brought my church into the school it really wasn't taught uh, it wasn't encouraged now we've moved way past that to where we've had people in junior high and high school that's that's done the p7 bible study they call it I'm not sure what that means anyway it's a little bible study they do at school and it was amazing it was massive now we have some students here at Grace Church that are planning to do that again at their high school this coming year. We're already working towards that, and they, they have been now for a while. Uh, it's a change of culture that we're now taking the Bible back to the school, back to the students. It'll be before the school day begins, uh, and they'll be able to teach the Word of God and pray with students and what have you. And I am expecting a wonderful harvest of high school kids coming to Grace Church as a result of that. I'm expecting that to happen. Amen. So there was more opposition to this change from a Jewish Jerusalem church to a Gentile Roman church. 
a Gentile Roman church to a Jewish person was horrible. It was blasphemy. No way. We'll never be able to make that happen and maintain the gospel. But the gospel is powerful. And the gospel can survive any culture as long as there's someone there to preach and teach it. It'll survive any and every culture. Yes, it will. Everybody say amen. But as the New Testament, as the New Testament saints begin to target, everybody say target. Target their efforts and to reach in the majority of their culture, God gave them an incredible harvest. And I want to introduce to you tonight the biblical concept of targeting. I know that's not popular in our um, culture today as far as social things, legal things and whatnot. But listen, listen to the, what I'm about to present. Do you all believe with me tonight that no one single congregation can reach everyone on this planet due to geography, language, music, custom, and even personal preference. There's no one church. I'm going to go ahead and say this. I, I know of churches that believe if, you don't re, if you're not saved in their church, in their building, you're not saved. But what about people in Australia? Do they jump on an airplane and ride over here and, and then go back to Sydney and hope for the best? I mean, it's, I think it's ridiculous. It's absurd. Uh, the gospel works anywhere. It's powerful, and it will work anywhere that people are willing to preach it. Everybody say amen. amen. So this is why we are a part. Grace Church is a part of a worldwide fellowship. Brother Dave just mentioning we found our way into three more countries. Um, here's, here's what churches do. They all Every church targets. Every church does that. But they don't say it that way. But here's the concept behind it. The type of fish that a church will catch will depend on the bait they use to catch them. Does that make sense? Uh, that's targeting. We have some bass fishermen here tonight, and I'm sure they can tell you every artificial bait and even live bait that works for bass. And probably if you ask them to go fish for some catfish, they may not even know how because they've never fished for catfish before. That might be a little bit of a stretch, but you get the point. Uh, there's a difference in saltwater fishing and freshwater fishing and bass fishing and fishing for catfish and catching perch, bluegill, brim, whatever you choose to call that one fish. Um, there's all these different methods, but if you want a, a bunch of brim, you can just stand on the riverside on the bank and just get you a little bobber and some crickets or worms and just catch them all day long. But if you want a bass... It's going to cost you about $50 million. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, they must be really good because it costs a lot of money to catch them. I'm teasing. I'm y'all. I'm teasing. So whether they are made consciously or unconsciously, our congregation's choices today determine who we will reach tomorrow. Our church, a church, any church, even a radio station, even a radio station that continuously tries to appeal to everyone's preference will wind up offending everybody and reaching nobody. That is true. 
So to be successful as a church, we must determine who lives in our area and how we can best reach them and then intentionally go after them. That's targeting. It is. You may not like the word, but that's what you're doing. I'm going to prove it to you. The Bible determines our message, but our target determines how we communicate that message. Targeting is a biblical principle. Jesus targeted his ministry to the lost sheep of the household of Israel, did he not? Did he not tell Gentile people, I didn't come for you? He did. He told them that. So he targeted people himself. He instructed his disciples in Matthew chapter 10 to do the same. Peter targeted his ministry to the Jewish people while Paul targeted his ministry to the Gentile people. We even have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because each one of them is written with a specific target in mind. Matthew wrote to the Jews, Mark wrote to the Romans, Luke wrote to the Greeks, and John wrote to the church. God himself invented the concept of targeting. That's why there are so many churches around the world made up of all kinds of people, all kinds of cultures, all kinds of ideas. As long as you preach the gospel, it will work in any culture. Even today, no missionary sent to a foreign country would try to reach people without first understanding their culture Right? Back in the 60s, a lot of our missionaries went to a foreign country and tried to Americanize those people instead of trying to make Christians out of them. They'd bring American clothes and people looked at them clothes and never even seen some of this stuff. I could get more explicit than that, but I won't. Missionaries struggle with that and realized that you, you present the gospel to every culture and every culture can adapt to everything the Bible says. You don't have to be an American to adapt to the gospel. We need to understand that tonight. That being said, you don't have to be an American to get the gospel. You don't have to have been in the church for the past 50 years to receive the gospel. You don't have to have been in the church for 25 years before, until you receive the gospel or whatever. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost, converted today, and adapt to biblical principles today based on what our culture is today. You can't rewind and go back to 1982 or 1964. You can't. We need to understand that. Got a little quieter than it has been. We, we still have a propensity to say, I want it like it was done back when I was a kid. Those days are over. They are. I don't like it. There's parts of it I don't like. I miss the old Sunday night choir. Oh, goodness, I miss the old Sunday night choir. And you sing them songs, and, and all you need is for one person to get out in the aisle and the whole place goes up and smoke. People jump over the cry rail, and I've seen people bust in doors and all kind of damage, and I'm not exaggerating. I miss those days. But culture moves on, but the gospel stays the same. So no missionary goes to their, their country they're called to without first understanding their culture. They go to school for that. 
And they have to understand not just to speak the language, but they have to understand the language. They have to understand all the cliches and what to say and what not to say and so on. You have to understand that. You have to adapt to their culture to some degree if you're going to reach them. It is just as crucial to understand the people of our area if we want to evangelize them. We don't have to agree with our culture, but we do have to understand it in order to reach it. So in a nutshell, listen what I'm about to say. In a nutshell, for the past number of years, our target has become young families with children. We've put a huge emphasis on kids' ministry on Sunday. We do kids' church on Wednesday night. We, we do everything we can on Sunday morning. I love our Sunday school staff. They're our unsung heroes. You never see them. They're in their class. Y'all are all in here. Uh, they do a, an amazing job. But we've really promoted that. The reason for that is the first 100 years we were in Baker, Chuck, we didn't have any kids. Now I'm saying, okay, God, okay. Um, they keep coming. I saw two little kids run through the lobby tonight. I don't know who they are. I, I, I don't remember seeing them before. I hope they're brand new people and they're going to keep coming back and, and we'll see. But we, we've, we've put a huge emphasis on that going after younger married couples with children. And the second group we've targeted pretty heavy is broken people. Backsliders, people who are broken, people who are hurt, people who are bitter. And Grace Church has been made up through the years of a, a large population of those people. Uh, that's been our target. But God's challenging my heart has been all year. Um, I'm just ready to see people just come in off the street that just just come in on and, and come on down here and that's what I'm after. And I believe there's a lot of people here tonight that's after the same thing and we're working hard to make that happen. So Jesus' standard approach, this is what he did. And I want to suggest this to every age group here tonight to follow his pattern. <clears throat> Jesus' standard approach when he approached people that did not know him or misunderstood him, he started wherever the people were, wherever they were at in their life, whatever they did for a living, that's where he started. He talked to the Pharisees about the law, the law of Moses. He talked to farmers about seed. He talked to fishermen about fish. He talked to the rich young ruler about money. He talked to the woman at the well about water. Y'all see that? Don't launch into some big theology found in Leviticus chapter 8, verse 12, whatever that says. Don't do that. Find out what the people do. Find out who they are. Find out what their lives are about and start right there and win their confidence and teach them a little at a time about Jesus. This, that was Jesus' approach. Paul's approach was to become all things to all men. That's what he did. And it worked. No matter what situation he was in, I could read a lot of scripture about that. The clock is working against me right now. Um, but this, that was Paul's approach, to be all things to all men. He didn't compromise what he believed. But he went to where the people were, not just in location, but in their attitude, their perspective, their thought processes, and what have you. The fundamental question at the church council in Acts 15, and I love Acts 15, was simply this. What does a Gentile have to adopt when it comes to Jewish customs to become a Christian? Do we want to make them a disciple of the law of Moses? Or do we want to make them a disciple of Jesus? That was the big debate in Acts chapter 15. And here was the big problem. 
You have to understand that circumcision began with Abraham, who was their founding father. We all know that. Moses put that, God instructed him and so on, to put that into the law of Moses. This had to be done. So to the Jews and to the apostles, they didn't understand at that point that water baptism now was what you do to be right with God instead of circumcision. They weren't there yet, so they had this big debate. I want to tell you right now, if church growth depended on circumcision, it might be uh, a little bit smaller than what it is now. So they had to understand, and God showed them the way. The gospel works. It's powerful. It works in any culture, and God will lead you and guide you into all truth. But they had to determine I going to impose my knowledge as a law of Moses Jew on Gentiles that's never even heard of Moses. That was done away with, and the Jew had a hard time with that, and I respect that. I appreciate that. James ultimately handled that meeting in Acts chapter 15, and it, it all came out okay. But the answer to that question was a resounding no. They did agree on a few things that, okay, if... If Gentiles are going to convert, there's just going to be some things they're going to have to do that's Jewish stuff. They agreed on that, but it was something that the Gentile people could bear, and they didn't put on them more than they can bear. We have to understand tonight that we can't reach back to some moment in our past and want to apply that to people today. It's not going to happen. They're not even going to understand what you're talking about. We have to understand that. We have to stay with the gospel not necessarily our convictions. So the fundamental question for the church today is, does a sinner have to adopt all our church customs to be a Christian? Again, the answer is a resounding no. Do they have to align with the Bible? Absolutely. But, but some of our customs that we do and so on is, is a no. We must continually ask ourselves, who are we trying to impress when people come. The primary, our primary goal here at Grace Church, and Grace Church does a phenomenal job at it. Our primary goal here is service. Everybody say service. Our primary goal here at Grace Church is not serve us. It's service, but not serve us. All too often we have church for the churched. When our goal should be to have church for the unchurched. So Paul taught the New Testament church to adjust their worship services when unbelievers were present in order to reach them in 1 Corinthians 14. Um, I believe, the Bible teaches, God doesn't scare anybody off. The presence of God doesn't scare anybody off. The moving of God's spirit doesn't run anybody off. But people can. Uh, I call people like that baby killers, they're like Herod during the birth of Christ. Um, I've, I've heard well-meaning saints walk up and tell people things that uh, don't do it. <clears throat> Let God lead them. Let the Spirit of the Lord work with them. This is not caving into culture. It is just being polite. In fact, we always try to cater to culture, but we must make sure it is the city culture and not just church 
culture. So do you expect our church services to run according to your preference and your style of ministries or to operate according to your convenience or are you more concerned about our guest preferences and their convenience? The New Testament church found out that some things are essential, their message, but other things are non-essential or even detrimental, which is their methods. And I believe across the board, the thing that we need to be the most careful with is to be too aggressive with people. Let God work with people on his time. I've never been a proponent of going up to somebody, a backslider, a guest, whoever, and just grab them by the arm and drag them down to the altar. I have seen that done all of my life, and it offends me. It offends me for that person. Um, and oftentimes, they never come back. I remember I had to smile. Uh, it wasn't funny, but I had to smile. We had a brand new couple that visited Grace Church one Sunday morning. It's been a, a number of months ago. And as soon as they walked in the door, they walked in the door, they were brand new, looking for a seat, um, had a small child with them. And just as they walked through the door, our young people sat out around the aisle that Sunday morning and they met. And not in particularly a good Christian way. It wasn't shaking hands and hugging necks. These people had to take about three steps backward to keep from getting run plumb over by this 25 young people headed down that center aisle wide open. And um, I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> These people stepped back, and our young people ran the aisles. And another time or two is usually what runs people off the most. Is I hadn't said this in a long time, but bent. I'm going to be very honest, being very transparent right now. I have a huge bent for backsliders. There's people that I know and love in this area, and I think of them, I promise you, before God, I, I promise you, I think of them every day. There's not a day that goes by that that person does not flash through my mind. And my heart sinks a little bit, and I pray for them under my breath. I pray for them out loud wherever I'm at, depression issues, people who have social issues, whatever it is. I want to encourage everybody here today, wherever you lean, and your burden for people that need Jesus, whatever target that is, go after them. Be wise, be kind, but go after them. Call them, contact them, stay in touch with them, pray for them, and so on. I believe God has Grace Church ripe for a wonderful harvest of people. I believe we're here. Uh, I believe we're at that point. So whoever it is you want to reach, go after that person. So let me explain quickly. We have essential beliefs. We have to be unified. The Bible is very clear on that. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, we have to be clear. We have to be unified. We're all one body. We have the same spirit. We've all been called to the same glorious future and so on. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's only one God and Father who is over us and so on. That's essential beliefs. Non-essential beliefs is that we have liberty and everybody that comes to God is at a different level of development. It's like a child, when, when your child starts kindergarten, you're not going to put calculus on him the next week. He ain't there yet. Do we understand that? So when people come to church, there are different levels, not only depending on their spiritual age, but depending on things that are applicable to people 18 and up or whatever. 
he's not there yet. So you have to consider their spiritual age. You also have to consider their natural age. So our non-essential beliefs is that we have liberty. And what that means is that everybody is at a different level of development spiritually. So just because you think the kindergartner ought to be in the 10th grade, they're not. And if you try to treat them that way, you're going to run them off. You have to understand where people are and their development. Bottom line, if you leave it to God, secondarily to the pastor, it'll be okay. So our, our essential beliefs is that we must be unified. Our non-essential, we have to come through loving one another. Those three areas of loving people. If you don't love yourself, you're going to have a hard time reaching people. If you don't love God, you're going to have a hard time reaching people. If you don't love the church, you're going to have a hard time reaching people. So I want everybody to understand here tonight, when we talk about adapting to our our culture. We have to be unified as a church. You don't want a church, people come into a church that's having all kinds of issues and about to split and all that. And we are unified. I believe Grace Church is amazing in the area of unity. But I believe we also understand liberty. We have people here tonight that's only had the Holy Ghost a, a, a few months on who is your target. Who are you after? Now, this is where fear comes into play. This is where I'm shy comes into play. I'll, I'll pray, Pastor, but I can't talk to people. If you're married, you can talk to people. <clears throat> if you have kids, surely you can talk to people. If you have a job, you can talk to people. So don't run under that umbrella that I'm shy and I can't talk to people. How do you function if you can't talk to people? You have to talk to somebody. Okay, we all understand that. So that, that's not a, a valid excuse doing church every Sunday. Go after that person, but go to them where they are. Love them. Love yourself. Love God. Love the church. And I believe if we're kind, if we're charitable, take them out to lunch, have them over for dinner, go to the playground with them and their kids, whatever it takes. Put yourself out there a little bit. I have to do it every day. Pick one day a week. It's going to be my soul winning day. Have lunch with somebody. Go out to eat with somebody. Have somebody over to your house. But let's, let's win somebody. What do you say? It may not be as hard as some of you think. Open your mouth. Put yourself out there. God will lead you and he will guide you. Yes, he will. Thank the Lord. Everybody said amen. Thank the Lord. Wonderful, Che. We're coming. <clears throat> All right. God bless you. You're dismissed. And we'll see you Sunday morning bells and whistles and your shouting shoes on. God bless you.